Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. Hello, and welcome to the Dominioneer series. I'm your host, Kevin Davis, and I'm excited to bring you this fascinating series where I interview individuals from around the world about the importance of challenging the status quo, shattering stereotypes, and bringing meaningful and lasting transformation in their respective sphere of influence. So without any further ado, let's get into today's broadcast. Hey, good evening, everyone. I trust all of you are well and that you are blessed wherever it is that you are tuning in from. I see that my guest is already actually on the screen. So I'm actually not going to uh, waste much time. I'm going to welcome my very good friend, Corbus von Rensburg. Welcome to tonight's broadcast. Kevin, Kevin, thank you so much. Hi, everybody that's tuned in. I'm very excited about this uh, live stream tonight. Thanks for the invite. And I know that everyone that's going to tune in is going to be super blessed. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, every single person that's uh, watching, that's already tuned in right now, uh, let me know in the comments where you are, in in fact, watching from. Uh, I'd like to give those of you who's jumping on quickly um, a quick shout out. So thank you so much to everyone who is jumping on. And um, let me know in the comments, indeed, where you are from. So let me know if you're in South Africa, let me know the city. Uh, If you're from uh, outside of South Africa, then let me know the uh, province and the country I'd like to give you a quick shout out. So before I go back to uh, my guest and then introduce uh, what it is that we will be doing tonight. Uh, tonight, we are actually starting the Dominioneer series. And uh, this is something that uh, I, I'm starting tonight and we'll be dealing with going forward, where we are going to have uh, various guests from all around the world talking about various experiences that they have had things that have shaped their lives, things that have shaped their ministry, things that have been destiny-defining in so many different ways, but also talking about how their fully developed gift has indeed made room for them and has allowed them to extend influence in their particular area of society. And so this really is is what a dominioneer is all about. And um, for those of you who don't know, this is a word that I created. Yes, a word that I created. So The word dominioneer, as I've defined it, is a visionary leader and a fearless pioneer who commands unparalleled authority and influence within their domain, shaping its course and destiny. So if you believe that you are among one of those dominioneers, I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear from you in the comments. Let me know as to who you are and uh, what it is that you have achieved, what it is that you have done uh, pertaining to your life, pertaining to your business, pertaining to your ministry. And you know what? Maybe you could be among those that I could actually be interviewing next. So we are going to go back to uh, my guest for tonight, Quibus von Rensburg. So Quibus, we're going to start things off tonight just um, talking about a couple of things pertaining to the way that we actually grew up. For those of, um, for those actually who are watching right now, you know, they might not even know myself. They might not know you. They might know you. They might not know me or vice versa. But what we obviously uh, what we are dealing with even tonight is the fact that both you and myself we are what many people refer to as PKs. 
For those of you who don't know that kind of terminology, this is referring to a pastor's kid. So I grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church in the Afrikaans environment. And uh, obviously my father was a reverend or what we call in Afrikaans a duimini. So that is how I grew up very religiously and a very interesting kind of upbringing. But uh, nonetheless, it, it, was a, it was a Christian upbringing from that perspective. But my guest tonight, Quibus, obviously also grew up in the church. But as much as I can say, I grew up in a very religious kind of setting. Obviously, Quibus grew up like a complete polar opposite kind of way as opposed to myself. But Quibus, tell us a little bit about you growing up. Tell us about your family and um, just the experiences that you had growing up. Yes. Um, yeah, Kevin, I think it, we're touching on a very uh, relevant topic because there's a lot of people that grew up you know, in church, but uh, somehow, you know, that, how did that, how does that translate? How do we, how do we take that foundation and, and, and apply it and bring it through and, and actually get the fruits of all that we heard of, you know, uh, growing up, where do we, where do we see that practically um, apply it in our lives? So I think this is a really very relevant topic that we're touching and uh, yeah, grew up in church. <laughs> They say the pastor's kids are the naughtiest kids. That is 100% true. And that's because they play with the congregation. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was exactly my father's defense as well. Um, yeah. And I, it's, um, if I think back of my uh, growing up, my childhood, you know, firstly, I, I just want to stop and I want to honor my father as a, a mentor, as a pioneer, as someone that really, he didn't just preach the word he he taught us more through his life, through his actions, than what he did by, you know, just merely talking, giving lessons. And we saw someone living the Christ life and, and that had a massive impact, you know. Um, and religiously, we didn't grow up with, how, how do you call it, the traditional church like we know in South Africa. My father was a controversial character if you can put it like that and he shocked a lot of traditions which was you know um the fake the fake fell off and you got to experience the real um and that caused a lot of people to be drawn to him to the ministry and we saw people with real needs uh and he had a, a tremendous healing ministry what we saw was people came from all over after the doctors gave up all hope and they came there and broken people and how their lives were transformed you know through someone who was dedicated who lived a dedicated life and i, I don't think there's enough emphasis on that today just because of the message of grace that was introduced and to a degree blown out of proportion now how can you grace out of proportion <laughs> uh, it's a very deep topic but there's someone that lived the life and so many people benefited from that and was it him no it was christ it was and this is where paul comes and says follow me as i follow christ you know um but in all of this had a a massive uh, example of what we should be like yet Having had that example, we didn't always live that right, <laughs> you know, and um, it comes down to here am I, I am, I've got my life to live and I can't have a relationship with God through someone else. 
And if I think back over my childhood, over uh, think back over the life growing up in a in a, in a Christian home, in a pastor's home, you know that's something that really stands out for me. You have to have a relation, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, because yeah. uh, what stood out for me is God. And, and this is what I get from the Bible. If I read the Bible, if I understand correctly, if I understand the scriptures correctly, God doesn't have grandchildren. God's got children. Amen. And there's a lot of people today that want to serve God through someone else, through yes. a prophet, through a Come on. Come on. Um, evangelist, through a, <laughs> an apostle. You know, there's a lot of people today in South Africa, and I, and I believe across the world, that uh, they've got a relationship with God through someone else. They yeah. have to. And I believe that God placed the gifts there, you know, for the equipping of the saints. So I'm not mm. downplaying that at all. But at the end of the day, you know, I need to have a, a relationship with my father. And God is our real father. And even though I had this amazing example of uh, what a Christian should be, you know, uh, I had to get to a place where I had to make the decision that, you know, it, I have to have that personal relationship with God. My father can't have that relationship yes. for me. Yes, you know, it's easy when you're growing up in a house like that to live under the mantle, under the anointing, if I can put it like that. Yes, it's almost that His grace covers so much. He, he believes there's breakthrough, but a day comes where you realize, hey, you know, I need to have that personal relationship with Him. Yeah, Amen. You know, one of the things that you've touched on, which already just uh, like hit a nerve with myself, is um, you know what you've spoke about and how you obviously grew up and um, how people could very easily find themselves getting into a particular space where you attempt to focus so much on the man of God, but you actually have no relationship with the God of the man. And obviously, I know the kind of uh, demand that was placed upon your father, you know, and um, obviously, I can imagine that uh, growing up, you had obviously such easy access to him. I mean, he was, he's right there. He's your father, you know, uh, after a meeting, you know, you go home and, you know, he's in the same home where you at and so forth and so forth. And um, what you said is so important because this is one of the things that I have been challenging and challenging heavily. So is the fact that when we gave birth to Dominion Church in Somerset West a year and a half ago, one of the things that the Lord very, very clearly said to me and this is one of the things that I'm constantly having to say is that the Lord has not mandated for us to once again create dependence for the Lord instructed all of us to make disciples. Too many churches, unfortunately, that we find nowadays specialize, I want to say, in, in creating these dependents. And also the reason why many churches end up creating these dependents is so that they can eventually get into the, the space where they can be exploited and uh, where they can be taken advantage of. So when you actually get to that place where you understand, listen, we're no longer living under this uh, system, a religious system where you have to access God through a man, where you have to access God through the bishop, you know, and all of the other things that crept in to the church as a result of the, um, you know, the, 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 call it the, the influence of the Catholic Church for a thousand seven hundred years almost, 
and and the the effects of that that we obviously still have to contend with in the body of Christ. But coming back to one of the other things that you mentioned with regards to your father and the things that you obviously experienced, you know, uh, as you were uh, uh, as you were talking, one of the things that I can fondly remember about my father, and as I said, I know we grew up vastly uh, different in different kinds of households because here I was from what we can now refer to as a very like religious, rigid, conservative household. But at the same time, one of the things that I vividly remember was obviously my father studying his Afrikaans Bible, making notes in his Bible. And, um, you know, when, when, when I got to that place where I made the decision to, to accept Jesus into my life, and that happened for me on the 26th of July, 1998, I was 11 years old at the time. And I remember taking the money that I had gotten for uh, a book prize that I'd won at school. And uh, I got a 20 Rand book prize all the way back then. And you know what? That 20 Rand book prize was enough for me to be able to purchase my very first and my very own, you know, full Afrikaans Bible. And I remember going to my father's notes and many of the things were very, I mean, it's like foreign to me, you know, the things that he had underlined and that he had uh, circled. So I was just trying to copy him. You know, I was literally, I was taking my Bible. I remember the book of Matthew, the book of Luke, the book of John. Um, just highlighting whatever it was that he was highlighting. And then later on, those things that I just merely copied from him, you know, actually began to become a revelation in my own heart and in my own life. So as much as there is a sense of copying the behavior and the things that we actually see that is presented to us, as you rightfully said, every single one of us are confronted with the reality of all of us having to make the decision ourselves whether or not we are going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Just because we grew up in a Christian home does not guarantee that we are merely saved by means of association. And so one of the other things I'm just thinking about is growing up. Um, as I said, from a religious point of view, um, I mean, people know, and this is no secret, it's part of my testimony, that growing up, you know, we heavily persecuted the move of the spirit, my father and myself, and later on, even myself, I mean, I became like this full blown modern day Pharisee against the move of God. But one of the things that I remember, even all the way back then, when I got involved in Christian apologetics, um, and, and obviously people from a very conservative, also religious background, who did not like your father, I mean, I want to say they hated your father. Oh, but yeah. one of the things that, that I found, even among them, is that they, too, could not deny the fact that miracles, real, authentic, genuine miracles were taking place. So during your time growing up and even in the latter part of your life, you obviously saw those miracles. Can you talk to us a little bit about those things? Yeah, what you touched on, I mean, there was definitely the critics. Uh, there was definitely the haters. Uh, and... If you're going to do something, you're going to experience opposition. There's that famous old quote that says, if you want to keep everybody happy all the time, go sell ice cream. <laughs> exactly. I think in the church, if you're going to stand for truth, if you're going to make a difference, that's applicable. That's, that's, that's own that. <laughs> um, so, and if you take someone that was as controversial, as bold as my father was, because um, he literally, he took the word, the word of God, literally. I mean, if the Bible says it, that's how you do it. There was no compromise. There was no, it's 2023. God will understand. Now, if, if the Bible says it's this way, that's how it's going to be. That's, there's no compromise. There's no, 
took the word literally and he had results um <laughs> coming back to the critics they're always going to be there i mean even jesus had critics right so if you're yeah. going to do something you're going to experience that um but thinking back over there <laughs> this this is a deep topic that you open up here kevin um how well, I said you... we were going to be real and raw, so here we go. <laughs> um, growing up in that house, seeing so many miracles, um, it wasn't it wasn't a performance. It wasn't something that happened on stage. Why do I say that? Um, well, we are three brothers: my mom, my dad, three brothers, and um, you know, if, if you know us. <laughs> uh yeah we're a lively bunch right and when we grew up as kids as boys we were we were boys and so i mean we did what boys did um and uh, my father loved cars he was really into cars that was his hobby didn't have many other hobbies but uh, buying and selling cars and fixing up cars that was his thing so this one day um we went to look at a car that my dad was planning to buy it wasn't something new or strange for us okay this was part of our childhood and uh, sometimes these trips could be boring because i mean if you're in what's it grade seven <laughs> you know you don't drive it how, how exciting could that be right so my little brother was punching me the whole time wrestling um and he didn't want to stop so uh, at this point now we're on this muslim car showroom floor and my dad was just every time we came there my dad was testifying to this muslim like he needs jesus in his life right and this day as my little brother was punching me i grabbed him around his head now and when i grabbed him i cut off the arteries with my with my arm and to me it felt like he wanted to get out so when i let go i mean he was unconscious he fell to the floor and he broke his skull all the way around so then my, my little brother is lying on the floor, blood's coming out of his eyes, his nose, his ears. Oh my word. He's dead. His head started swelling up and he had a basic skull oh. fracture. So imagine this for a moment. Here we are on the Muslim showroom floor, which my dad has been testifying to so fervently. Now his son is dead there. I mean, it was chaos. My, my father came running and he didn't even look at my brother, he didn't touch him. He spoke to the family, he spoke to everybody around, and he said, Peace, chill, calm down, calm down. I let this happen, right? And when everybody was, how calm can you get? But when everybody was, you know, kind of getting themselves together, then only he turned to my little brother, started praying, started calling him back. Sure. And, um, for me, it felt like forever. I guess it was minutes, but for me, it felt like forever. I mean, this was, it was a nightmare. It was, this was crazy. You can't explain it to anybody. And eventually he came back, you know, and when he came back, he started screaming like uncontrollably. The ambulances came, took him in the ambulance. When we came to the hospital, we could hear him screaming like three holes down. It was, you can't, can't really explain to someone what you're going through in, a, in an instance like that, right? And when the doctors eventually spoke to my parents, they said, the doctor that spoke to my my dad said, um, he specializes in this, you know. He's seen a lot of people. 
with a basal skull fracture and he hasn't seen anybody survive more than 24 hours so we shouldn't get our hopes up we should say goodbye <laughs> and um my dad <laughs> they actually wanted to throw my father out of the hospital um because he wouldn't accept what they said my father told the, the doctor listen you do what you need to do and i'll i'll do what i what i do best i'll pray and um it's crazy. The next day they called us back. Obviously, the screaming stopped. He sat up straight in his bed, 100% there. And the doctors didn't know what to say. So they wanted to keep him because they can't explain what's going on. And um, eventually they had to send us home because there's nothing wrong with him. But when they sent us home, they said we should be extremely careful because if he gets in the slightest bump, this skull fracture will move and he will die instantly. Sure. When we came home, as my father was unpacking the car, you know, when he turned around, Petrus was jumping on the trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, when you talk about miracles, it wasn't a, it wasn't an act. It wasn't something that happened yeah. in church. I've seen it for myself, and it reminds me of that scripture that says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." Um. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen how God provides. I've seen how God heals. I've seen how God really mm. did the impossible. It's not a, it wasn't a fairy tale. It was something that we could touch growing up. It was a reality, you know? So that no one can take away from me. Today you get pastors, children that they rebel, you know, they've got something against God because he, I don't know, it took their, I, I don't know. For me, no one can take that away. No one can take that realness of God away from me because I've seen, I've tasted, and I've seen that God is good. Um, yet, in all of this, and I, it's, you still have to make that decision. The Bible says, take up your cross daily. <laughs> um, this morning in the gym, I talked to my uh, the gym partner about this, and I said, you know what? Um, 17 years ago, I said yes to my wife. I still say yes to her daily, you know, it's here we are in the gym. It was a choice and life is a choice. You know, if you, if you go straight from Genesis, Genesis, Joshua, right through the Bible, um, a place before you, life, death, blessing, cursing. And then he, he makes it so simple. He, this is for the brain dead guys. He says, okay, I've placed before all of this. Now choose life so that you and your family may live. And I, I think today it's, it's, it's not different. You know, we've got, there's the word of God. I can start my day by listening to the voice of God. Or I can start my day by listening to the voice of CNN. <laughs> you know, everybody's running away with the war in, in the Middle East right now. But they've been fighting last year. They've been fighting the year before. But because some <laughs> news channel chooses to focus on it, we all... Yeah, it, it's taken main stage now. I'm not saying what's happening there is it's it's bad, and but what I'm saying is, I've got a choice. I can start my day in fear. I can start my day in faith. Raising my kids, you know, um, I can raise them with yes. It, it's so hard living in South Africa. It's or I can raise them. Look at what God has done for us in the last month. You know, there's some impossible things that took place in our lives. And I can focus on that. I can, and it is a choice. And to serve God 
is a choice. And, I, and, and sometimes it's, I have to make that choice again. Sometimes we find ourselves uh, surrounded by friends that are not believers. You know, I'm not saying people that don't go to church. I'm saying non-believers. <laughs> the Bible does say that we should not be equally yoked with unbelievers. You get some unbelievers in church, yeah. fortunately. <laughs> yeah. But it's a choice. And what are you going to do in those situations? Again, that's a choice. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a daily choice. So um, one of the other things I wanted just to deal with, I mean, I've, I've really let you just, uh, you know, speak and, and uh, you know, just share your heart pertaining to that, which I asked a little bit earlier about the miracles and, you know, growing up in a, in a, in a Christian home um, where obviously there's been tremendous demands placed upon your father, placed upon your family. And, uh, you know, to obviously see you as an entire family, obviously in the church, serving the Lord in the way that you have for so many, uh, you know, for so many years on end. The one thing that I wanted to just really, you know, get into is um, also in the time that, uh, you know, everything started changing pertaining to, you know, your father, the things that happened pertaining to that which he was fighting in his body. And, um, you know, then when abruptly, you know, things just changed for all of you. And uh, I know that this might be, something which which really is a is, is deep and extremely personal but if you wouldn't mind just sharing how it is that you as a family as a family of faith actually rallied together and how challenging it even must have been with regards to everything that you've dealt with and everything that just abruptly suddenly just changed but how you managed to pull from your relationship with god and also as a family to be able to get through that particular period of your life? Yeah. Again, deep questions. <laughs> deep questions for a Monday night, right? Um, yeah, well, I, I must say, you know, with regards to that, I, I think that, that there's many people who obviously know you, who have followed you. And uh, I'm, I'm wanting to really, in essence, ask the questions that I think many people want to ask, but might not ever have the opportunity to. And even if they were to have the opportunity, you know, this kind of question would always be awkward to us. So, but I do believe that there is something powerful to be able to convey as a result of that, which you have gone through. And even you as a family have gone through to be a blessing to so many out there. Yeah. It obviously didn't start when my father um, passed on. Um, it started before that. It was at a given Saturday on a miracle meeting, every last Saturday of the month, we had miracle meetings in Stilfontein. Now, Stilfontein has, well, I don't know how many people are, uh, are uh, residents in Stilfontein now, but at that point, there were 10,000 people in Stilfontein. That was how many people lived in Stilfontein. Not a big town, right? Um, but on the last Saturday of every month, we had between four and 5,000 people pitch up <laughs> In Stilfontein, the recorder says, oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Four to 5,000 people pitch up in Stilfontein for the last uh, Saturday of the month miracle meeting. And in those meetings, it was Holy Ghost chaos. I mean, probably five upwards wheelchairs, HIVs, people. I mean, we've seen people die in church because the hospitals send them away without hope. Then they... 
They take them from the hospitals. They've got nowhere to go. Bring them to the miracle meetings. And the people die in church because there's nothing left. And then they get, they get raised from the dead right there. It was the craziest crazy. Thinking back, it's almost like a movie. Anyway. But <laughs> here you are. Uh, my father laying hands on over a thousand people. And sometimes, you know, he didn't have the strength himself to physically lay his hands on people. And, and I was there, you know, where I had to basically carry him up, the, put him behind the pulpit on a chair. And when he was done preaching, put his arm around me, try and, you know, keep it all together for the cameras and carry him down. And then while he was laying his hands on the sick people, you are holding his body up. And then after yes. those services, you ask yourself, you know, how is it that there's five people that just got healed from cancer, but here the guy that's laying hands on them didn't is still struggling. But that in itself was a bigger example to me than anything else of someone that really believed in what they stood for, you know, and Look, if I get healed or not, it doesn't change God. You know, if if I can pay my rent this month or not, it doesn't change the fact that God is good. Amen. And I think that's that's where some people miss it. Mm. So that was that was something I personally struggled with a lot. How is it? How is it that my father can lay hands on sick people mm. and yet we have to drive him home? When we get home, we have to help him out of the car. So when he died, there was no question of is God real or is he not? Can God? There was no no questions. You know, because again, I've tasted and I've seen. Which kind of brings me back to two days before my father passed away. Um and at that point we had a lot of prophets coming through the church and you know. <laughs> There are some amazing prophets that I've, I've man, yeah, they've spoken into my life and I'm a changed person. And then there were other guys that they just did it for the money and they mm. actually went on. Yeah, I, I mean, just, just, you know, just on that, I, I, I'm not going to obviously mention names, but there are individuals that I saw many years ago on Spirit Word where they were, you know, these young, young individuals where they had at that stage no name no notoriety no audience no platform and that platform was given to them today they are massive and i remember watching them all the way back then and i remember their names and i remember you know seeing them and i remember the platform that they had gotten and it's always interesting and these these are the things that i look at is whether or not people actually honor those who actually in the beginning stages of their ministry opened up doors, gave them a platform, gave them an opportunity to exercise their gift and to work that particular, um, you know, gifting. And it's always interesting to see the relationship after the fact. And um, I just thought to, you know, just put that in because that's always something that, that I tend to look at. Some will, some won't. Jesus healed the lepers and what's it? Only one came back. Some, some, some will honor, some will be thankful, some will forget. That's, that's life. Um, yeah. At that point, you know, I, I 
this was like three days before my father passed away. And I went to him. I mean, he couldn't even really talk at that point. And I was complaining. I was like, because I had I had to run the church and I had all these issues that I had to deal with and address. And some of it was just too much for me. Like, what do you do? What do you do in this instance, in this situation? You know, which way do you go? And what stood out for me is some people really misused, abused, abused is the right word, abused the pulpit uh, for gain. And, you know, I, I, I would like bring this and I would say like this guy, you know, how, what do we do? You know, this guy is abusing the church. And like I said, my father couldn't really talk at that point anymore. He would just listen to me go on and on and on. Then he would look at me and, and I would say, but that's why we need to be the real prophets. And then we would look back at the ceiling and I, I didn't quite hear him. I just went on complaining and ranting and going on. And after a while, he would look at me and he said, that's why we need to be the real men of God. And I, he passed away and only a few days after he passed away, I think it was actually a few weeks after he passed away. One day I was busy praying and only then I realized what he was, what he said to me, you know, um, we can focus on all these things. I mean, there's a lot of wrong in the church, but there's so much more wrong in government. In <laughs> now, the church is a city set on a hill, and people are gonna see it. But there's a lot of right in church as well. There's a lot of people with the right intention in church as well. Um, yeah. I think there's more people with right intention in the church than there are people with the wrong motives. But Paul says in Philippians, you know, some preach the gospel out of envy some to spite me and, and he says but there are those that that preach the gospel out of love still today it's it's it's, it's exactly the same um coming back uh corinthians as a corinthians 11 where um, paul says follow me imitate me as i follow christ and the topic of everything we're talking about how was it growing up in a house like that how was it growing up under a man like that and I think that's what I can take home. Um, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, and there's this thing where you acknowledge the anointing. And people say, oh, we place men of God on a pedestal. With the... People are going to talk. For me, yeah. I realized there was an anointing on his life. And I, I respected my father respected the anointing and but you see that person every day all day and where's there are times when where, where's the line this is now my father and now this is the man of god speaking <laughs> um yeah yeah because you know just on that note obviously we 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 have to also tell people on a constant basis be very careful of familiarity where you become so buddy buddy with your pastor or with the man of god that you do not have the spiritual maturity to be able to sort of change those proverbial caps mm. where you relate with someone as a friend on the one particular occasion but now you have to relate to that person as the man of god in that particular situation and you know many people do not have that maturity and the moment, you know, you, you might have a, there might be a little bit of a friendship that might even develop over time, obviously with people in the church. 
and many people unfortunately lack the spiritual maturity that when the pastor now has to bring the correction where the pastor now has to deal with something in that person's life then all of a sudden it's like hi my friend why are you saying this now why you know i thought you were friends how can you do this how can you do that so you know that is something which is also very important so you know on that note what i want to ask you is this how did you actually deal with the familiarity to a certain extent because i mean he is your father and it's only natural for you to pursue him as a father as a son would a father but yet at the same time he is a prophet and yet at the same time everyone else is placing such a tremendous demand on him how did you actually navigate those particular uh, requirements and the situation at hand and also how did you navigate the situation of everyone, the whole world at one stage, it felt like we're placing demands on him. And yeah, you were just the son, just wanting a father. How did you deal with that? Yeah, it wasn't always easy <laughs> looking back. Um, but growing up, I mean, my father prayed every Saturday for an hour. Like um, that's, that's how we grew up. That was normal. That was it. wasn't It was no questions. It was no wonder. That was that was it. Um, when we went, and again, if I think back as far as back as I can remember, if we went to pick and pay, back then pick and pay was better than checkers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, he would meet someone in the aisles that was sick, and he would stop everything, push the trolley aside right there, lay his hands on them, pray, and they would get healed. You know, um, it wasn't something strange for us. We, we grew up like that. And, you know, obviously when the ministry grew and when um, my father uh, got more well-known, you know, later on when we went to a mall, <laughs> people would literally stop him at the door. And us as a family, we would, we would know this is how we're not going to shop. So the family would go shop to two and a half three hours when we come back my father would still be <laughs> at the entrance of the mall the only difference is now there's 40 people around him <laughs> there's four people lying on the floor the security yeah. guards don't know what to do <laughs> oh, so security became the ushers <laughs> it wasn't something strange it was uh, we grew up with it um but we had a um can't talk for my brothers and my mom but uh, for myself i had a reverence i had a respect uh for my father um he was my hero um and, and you realize this is not normal you, you knew this is not every and if i look back i count myself as fortunate as blessed as mm. um and in that again it wasn't easy uh, we were in thinking back uh, when i met my wife we got married you want to start your own life yet you are serving in the ministry. You are serving under someone. And you can't just do what you want. You can't just run off and it's your life now. And you're going to, I'm serving in ministry. I'm serving under my father. And so it was challenging at times. But you knew this is, you know, my time there was not for myself. You knew it. Mm. I was serving God. How do I serve God? I serve my father. I serve the ministry. I and, and and that's where a lot of people how do i hear the voice of god think back of samuel talk about prophets the bible says 
not one word that Samuel said fell to the ground. And this guy must have been able to hear God's voice clearly, right? So if we think back of how did he start to recognize, how did he learn the voice of God? It was through serving someone that was anointed. You know? Yeah. And people want yeah. people want no, people want this mystic, okay, there must come clouds and you know, sunshine and pff, a deep voice must speak yeah. to me. It's, and a lot of times, most of the times, it, it doesn't happen that way. You know, I'm challenged. Am I going to rebel or am I going to be obedient? <laughs> and sometimes God speaks through vessels that <clears throat> I wish God would have used someone else to speak to me today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no, absolutely. As, as children, and the Bible is clear on this. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this this is the will of God. This is, this is right. And... You know, it's how do we, as parents, we've got this responsibility as well. That's why I thank God for my parents. Uh, was my my mom always right? No. Was my dad always right? No. But what does the word of God expect of me? You know, and it's so much easier. I um, now i found myself in a, in a in a in a situation the other day where i spoke to i've got a mentor and i spoke to him about some situations he says okay where's your position now i'm under authority and i've got some people under me so i'm a man of authority but i'm also yeah. under authority. what does the word yeah. say about that you know sometimes i don't agree but what does the word say you know, and, and thinking back of um, growing up in that house wasn't always easy, but there's a blessing. You know, and this is something my father, <laughs> we, we got a lot of hidings <laughs> before that. That was before um, everything that's out in 2023 and all the, I don't know what, kids' rights and human rights and um yeah, yeah. Back then, it was everyone. You took it literally. Spare the rod, spoil the child. The so, death penalty uh, the, was the, the death, death penalty <laughs> was still in, <laughs> still valid. Um, but my father, one scripture, Psalm one twenty one. I'll never forget because every time me and my brothers fought, that that scripture was quoted, and we got a hiding. <laughs> Hold our good now, presently for brethren to dwell together in unity. There, God commands His blessing. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was honor your father and mother, so that you can have a long life, a good life. Um, and it doesn't say you're always going to agree with them, but honor them. Now, let's take father and mother and put that aside. Let's say you're in a congregation, or God has placed you in a congregation are you always going to agree 100 percent with everything the man up there says no but you can honor or you can dishonor you can carry a blessing or you can <laughs> you know you, you can miss it you yeah. can sit there and i found that and i've seen this in people's lives where they can go out of church with less than what they went in mm. Because the Bible does say to him that has, more will be given. To him that doesn't have, even what he thinks he's got will be taken away. You know, and that's scriptural. Um, 
um, you you hear the world they say you know the rich get richer and the poor get poorer <laughs> scriptural to him that has more will be given so um, if I if I realize what's going on if I appreciate if I honor and honor is not saying I'm a I go through life blindfolded or a sheep that can't make any decisions or I'm a pushover that's not what I'm saying at all I'm saying if God placed you in a in a in a certain place if if you've got parents <laughs> um we find ourselves in different areas in life but there's someone that you know i honor and there's someone that i mentor and, and this goes yeah. to so many places in life but if you understand that concept the centurion that came to jesus understand this concept miracles took place yeah no, absolutely you know, as we sort of come to the, the end of tonight's broadcast, you know, it really feels as though we should have like a, a follow up very, very soon uh, because time just really is flying. But uh, Chantal posed a question that I want to just put up there for a, for a moment. So she's asking this question. She was saying, was there pressure on you from society for you to be like your father? And how did you get to the point to just be your own man? Definitely still is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you know, um, again, with the deep questions on this Monday. <laughs> so when I, um, I first became co-pastor with my father and then took over the ministry from him and Pietrus is running the ministry um, at the moment and he's doing a phenomenal job. Um, the ministry is growing and I've got a lot of respect for my little brother what he's doing right now uh but when i took over from my father i mean he his sermons he used to preach two and a half hours three hours at a time you mm. know and that was the norm and that's how he did it for years and when i preached in the building that he built behind the pulpit that he put there people expected me to preach two and a half hours with 50 scriptures, all in context, all following one mm. another perfectly. Uh, to quote on them, the whiteboard. <laughs> on a whiteboard. People expected that. And, you know, one day, to answer that question bluntly, one day I was standing behind the pulpit with my 50 scriptures, all in context, and I was preaching, but it, all, it was almost like God had this... I was an autopilot. It's almost like, you know, people talk about an out-of-body experience. I had that where, you know, I went on autopilot preaching there and I saw myself from the back and God had this conversation with me. And he says, so how much of what you are busy preaching do you think they're going to remember on Tuesday morning? <laughs> you, you actually don't want to hear that as a pastor. <laughs> You know, but it it, it really it, it it struck me, and you know, and I had to after that service sit down and think. You know, it, this this was definitely God speaking to me, and from that point, I made a I made a point to preach not more than half an hour. Now, preaching less than an hour was was almost considered to be sin like you're not prepared enough or you're not in tune enough <laughs> the anointing is not there so for you it might seem strange for me it was one of the bigger challenges in ministry was to not preach an hour because that was what was expected of me but i i quick 
that's where I realized. Um, and in that time, I was driving up to church one day. Now, if you've ever been to Stilfontein, there's this massive prayer tower. It's, it's actually got a lift inside to get to the top. It's massive. It's huge. But as I was driving to the church ground, I came around the corner and I saw the prayer tower and God spoke so clearly. He said, as long as you're going to try and be your father, you're going to be 100% failure. It's also something you don't want to hear because... Imitate me as I follow as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me. Um, and then he was my mentor. He was my father. He was my spiritual father. You know. But I realized again, I have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I can't have a relationship with Jesus through someone else or like someone else. Um, just like there are certain things I can tell you when it comes to your marriage, you and your wife, your intimate relationship, you know, there's certain principles that are there, but I can't tell you, look, Monday at four o'clock, you need to bring up flowers and then half past five, you two need to, I can't, you know, that's, you've got to, you're supposed to have a relationship with your wife, you know, and that relationship with your wife is different from the relationship I've got with my wife, you know, and I need to have intimacy with God. I need to hear his voice, not through somebody. You know, I need to hear God's voice. Um, and I think for a lot of people, maybe there's someone listening now that you need to just take time, just you and God, not through someone. Uh, thank God for Joseph Prince. Thank God for Kenneth. Thank God for every, every, But I need to sit down somewhere and, Talk to God. For yeah. me, the sauna is a great place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. You know, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you and just getting this uh, real conversation going tonight. And, uh, you know, I said to you before, really what, I, what, what my heart is all about pertaining to, you know, this broadcast and even those that uh, I've got lined up. I mean, I've got some guests lined up from literally various parts of the world and uh, you know they're going to be joining me and and the one thing that i'm that i'm really excited about is to see the different and to to see and hear the different perspectives um that people have you know one of the things that that i've been feeling um even as of late yet again was the fact that so we can so easily fall into this trap of um believing that you know this is the call it the, the guideline pertaining to the religious framework in which God can move. And this is the exclusive religious framework in which God moves. I mean, just earlier today, I was having a conversation with someone all around the world who, you know, when it comes to church, um, is doing things differently. I mean, they get together at church is the whole weekend. So they get together on a Saturday and then the Sunday, they don't assemble together at church. You know, they have to be in the streets where they are ministering laying hands on people, healing the sick, um, getting people saved, you know, so that's what they are doing. But then, you know, you could again be from a, from another, um, you know, you could look at it from another perspective and you could say, no, 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 no. You know, church is Sunday, Sunday morning. It's church. This is what we do. This is no one is particularly wrong, 
And so many times, unfortunately, the one goes on the attack and attacks the one and then attacks the other. And, you know, it becomes a tremendous mudslinging contest, at, you know, about, you know, who's got it better, who's, you know, who's got it right, who's more effective, who's this, who's that. And at the end of the day, you know, Jesus simply said, preach the gospel. He said, go out into all the world, preach the gospel, tell them to observe all that I've instructed you to do, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And uh, then he said, listen, I will be with you until the very end of the age. And um, so we need to really get back to this place where we are willing to, to look outside of the religious framework that we have been taught, that we have known for such a long time. Um, I was speaking to someone else again uh, this week where I was also saying, you know, what is the point of having so many different churches in a community, but the community is not changing? You know, um, the, the, we're not we're not seeing or feeling the church's impact across even one or two or three areas in society. So these are the things that we are needing to change and that we are needing to address. And just bringing it back to the series that I'm doing called Dominion Here, this is what it's really all about for me, is to make people understand that what it means to have dominion, it's going into every single one of these different areas of society and letting your light so shine. That in essence, there is no divide between that which many refer to as sacred and what others refer to as secular. We need to adopt a kingdom mentality and mindset pertaining to the fact that, yes, we are in this world. Yes, we're not of this world. But since Jesus said that we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, we have to ensure that we let a light shine in darkness. And so this is really what this is about, you know, being a dominioneer. And I know this is a word that I have created and that I've coined, but it is a visionary leader and a fearless pioneer. And this is really someone listening to you speak tonight. This is someone you know, who your father truly was, a visionary leader and a fearless pioneer who commands unparalleled authority and influence within their domain, shaping its course and destiny. And the one powerful thing that we are just reminded of yet again is that not all of us are called to be in the firefold. We are all believers. And yes, we can all become believers. All we have to do is believe and we become a believer. Yet, some are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, not all of us. And so we also have gotten, you know, we've grabbed a hold of this mindset of, you know, if if you really want to do something significant for God, you have to, you know, have the mic. you cannot even consider, yeah, you can't consider business. You can't consider being in sport. You can't consider career in media. You can't be a, you know, a this, I nearly said a beautician and a this and a that. Because people have all kinds of ideas pertaining to these areas in society. And that to me is horrifying. And this is what we need people to hear and wake up to. You know, when um, <laughs> I, um, I watched the World Cup rugby and uh, I'm, I'm not the greatest rugby follower out there, disciple, but uh, this World Cup I followed religiously. Um, but... And I think Sia Kulisi stand up at the end and, you know, just having, proclaiming Jesus, just simply writing it on his wrist. And I thought yeah. that that was, that was a bigger evangelism tool than, it really struck me. And, you know, if, if he didn't play rugby yeah. and tried to pursue, you know, grab the mic somewhere and try to 
build a church, yeah. he would have missed that opportunity. Exactly. I mean, he, was, he was an evangelist to so many, so many people, you know, actually had to question their faith or, or go back and say, where am I with God at this point? For me, it was like, dude. <laughs> um, and I, what you said, some people are called for business. And some people are not called to be the worshipers. <laughs> yeah. They should put the mic down and let those that are called. And same with ministry. If you're called for ministry, um, operate under the grace. God has placed grace on. And if you operate under that grace, blessing is there. And um, if you're called for the five fivefold ministry and you're running away from it, stand up. Uh, you know, quest stand up and do what you're supposed to do god called you for business do it do it and um, don't feel guilty about it i think that's a big thing don't feel guilty if if someone else is called to be a, a prophet and you're not don't try and be that you know yeah, yeah man. Absolutely. If, if god called you to do what you do i should enjoy i should support and mm. you know when i try and be you i can't enjoy what you're doing yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and again, it comes down to, you know, trying to put on someone else's mantle that was not meant for you. Uh, it comes down to this analogy of David being presented with Saul's, you know, uh, military equipment and his armor and everything else. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, he was not going to be able to utilize that because that's not something he was familiar with. That was not something he had trained in. That was not something he had trained for. And uh, if he was going to go into battle to face Goliath with Saul's armor and Saul's military equipment, hey, the, the, the story in the Bible uh, pertaining to David could have been a little bit different as Definitely. to the outcome. And, uh, you know, I've, I've just seen this uh, comment that Larry has made, uh, Larry McClala saying oh, right. um, that we have a lot of churches, but the impact, it's not visible. So when a Christ-based church is launched in a society, that society must reflect the impact of that kingdom presence. This is not a critic, but a reality. And we should not be happy with the state of things. How many Christian schools do we have for our children to learn God's principles and education from birth? But then he's talking about the fact that uh, Muslims do it. And we as Christians, we praise these Muslims for it. But why are we not starting our own? Who will, who else will do it if not us? Exactly, Larry. So, so you are capturing exactly what it is that I'm talking about. Because I do believe that God has raised educators in this hour. Um, there are people raised up in the area of education that I, I do not have the grace for. I mean, I can teach adults. Uh, I've got the grace for that. But teaching children, whew, Lord help me. Uh, that is not my grace. And I'll be the first to admit that. Um, so what is very important is, is we need to support those who actually go out into the into the highways, the byways, and the marketplace, uh, those whom the Lord has positioned as kings. And um, what is incredible is that when we find that that there are business people whom the Lord has anointed and appointed, who he has raised up and has promoted and positioned in those areas of influence, um, the one thing that we really want to see as part of dominion and the mandate that God has given us, not only as a church, but as a as a ministry at large, is to see Christian representation across every single sphere of society, across every nation on the face of this planet. And uh, you say, well, why and how? Well, the word of God clearly says we are to occupy until he comes. 
So many people are just focused on all the negative things, just waiting for the Antichrist and just waiting for the end times, just wanting to shout Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, the moment the petrol price just goes up a little bit. I want us to understand, I mean, we don't even have the time to go into that tonight, but what I really just want to hit home here tonight is the fact that we are to occupy until he comes. We cannot live a life with an escapist mentality. We want to just leave this earth, vacate this earth, the moment something goes bad, something looks bad, something is perceived to have a particular bad outcome. No, we are the ones who should put our hand to the plow. We have to plow, we have to build, and we have to establish something that is multi-generational. In other words, one of the things that I've always taught and that I really live my life to and adhere is the fact that one of the, the, the foundations of dominion is that you are to birth something that immortalizes your impact. What does that mean? It means that after you are no longer on this earth, there is something that you have birthed, something that you have built, something you've established. You can call that your legacy if you'd like. But there is something that you have birthed that continues, that, that, that speaks of who you are and who you were while you were still on this earth. And that legacy continues 50 years, 100 years, hundreds of years, or 1,000 plus years after you have entered and stepped into glory. And so this is really my challenge to each and every one of you. You know what it is that God has called you to do. You know what it is that you have been assigned to do and to fulfill in this lifetime. Let's get rid of the religious framework and the religious mindset that says, if you want to do something meaningful for God, quit your business, sell your business, leave your farm, put down all of your implements and instruments and go to Bible school, become a pastor and enter the ministry. Do you know how many people have, I want to say, literally been killed as a result of following that advice? You have to become all that God has made you to be, and you have to stay true to that calling. As Corbus even said, speaking of someone like Sia Kulisi, who inspired hope to an entire nation, if he had believed a lie that the only meaningful way to do something meaningful for God was by means of going through seminary, becoming a pastor, planting a church, can you just imagine what he would have missed out on, and all of us by extension? Yeah, look, for some people that is reality. For some people they have to forsake and some people need to take off business. Yeah, and that's true. For some, for others not. For, for some, for yeah. some. But unfortunately what I'm challenging here no, is that there is a very strong push towards that. I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, I can talk for days about making the sacrifice, laying everything down. Yes, that is a separate conversation and very, very valid. But what I'm challenging here tonight is yeah. this sort of one-size-fits-all religious approach yeah. that people have and that but people unfortunately adopt. It comes back to you need to hear the voice. You, need, you can't have a relationship through somebody. You need to have a personal. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I think it encapsulates what we talked about tonight. Thank you so much, Amen. Kevin. It was Absolutely. really an honor and a privilege. Really appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. I'm going to wrap things up here with uh, um, with everyone that's still on, and um, but I'm going to say goodbye to you for now. But thank you so much for for joining, and um, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your your story, uh, really heartfelt, and uh, your experience. So thank you so much. Really appreciate you spending the time with us tonight. Thanks, Kevin. Much love, and everybody, Ricardo, everybody that's tuned in, tuned in, Bianca, you guys, and there's Chantal.
<laughs> Love you guys. Have an awesome, awesome. evening. Thanks. Thank David. you. Thanks so much. And so we're not uh, yet done. I just want to close off with this for this evening is that I want to ask you this question is that, and it's a very straightforward question, but it's, it's, it's a powerful question. And here's the question. Do you know that God loves you and has got a great plan and purpose for your life? You know, I want to give you an opportunity tonight to say yes to Jesus. You, you heard us talk about the fact that each and every one of us need to make that decision. You might have been raised in a Christian home, but it doesn't mean that just by you being raised in a Christian home, that makes you a Christian. So I want you to know tonight that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. However, the Bible goes on to say that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved and so that is my invitation to you tonight and in fact it's my first invitation my second invitation is for those who say there was a time when i was serving jesus there was a time when i was even considered on fire for jesus you had a passion of boldness and you were running with the passion after the things of god but something happened along the way that truly just devastated your life it shook your world it rocked your boat so much so that you fell to the wayside and once more, I want you to know that you can come back into the arms of the Savior, of the Father who loves you, who absolutely loves you. In fact, he loved you so much that even while you were still a sinner, he already sent his son, Jesus, to come and die for you, to take your place so that you may have, through his life, life and life abundant. That is my second invitation to you. And also my third invitation tonight is for those who say, I do not have the assurance of salvation. You do not know that if anything ever were to happen to you, that you would step into glory and that you would be with Jesus for all of eternity. Now, people might sometimes say, well, the devil is constantly lying to me, telling I'm not good enough for the kingdom of God. Well, being good or being bad, really, has got nothing to do with it. It's about receiving this free gift of salvation that is offered to us by grace that we receive by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to give you an opportunity tonight. If this is you on any one of these three invitations, I want you to connect with me and say, that's me. But nonetheless, even as you are making this decision and saying, you know what, that's me. Kevin, you're speaking to me. You're speaking directly to my heart tonight after everything that's been shared. And so I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And I want you to say this out loud with your heart or with your mouth and to believe this with your heart. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I've sinned against you. And right now I repent of all of my sin and ask that you will forgive me. Jesus, I now receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. Touch me. Change me. Fill me with your spirit. Let me never be the same again. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ has come to die in my place. I thank you that Jesus on the third day rose in victory and that I now can walk in the victory that has been established for me through the finished work of the cross. I declare that from this day, I will serve you that from this day I will share the good news with my friends and my family. Give me a passion to save the lost, no matter the cost. 
I am yours. Use me in Jesus' name. Amen. So if it is that you prayed that prayer, I'd like to hear from you. I'd like you to connect with me and uh, tell me that you've, uh, that you've prayed that prayer. And you can do so by going to our website, which is dominion.org.za. And uh, you can find some more information pertaining to our ministry and all that we do. So we are based right here in Somerset West, which is uh, in the region of Cape Town, South Africa. And um, so you can follow our ministry page, which is uh, dominion.org.za. You can also go to my website, which is kevincoldavis.com. You can see what it is that I do and um, other things that we get up to as well. So I'd like to connect with you. And uh, also, if you have any questions whatsoever, uh, send them through to us. We'd love to answer it, whether it is pertaining to ministry, theology, about your life, about purpose, about identity, irrespective of uh, get in touch with us. I'd like to connect with you. Follow me on uh, Facebook. Search for Kevin Davis. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Instagram. So it's Kevin Cole Davis. So pretty much as you can see on the screen right now, my website address, Kevin Cole Davis. That is uh, typically the, uh, the username that I use across social media pages with the exception of Facebook, which is Real Kevin Davis. So connect with us. I'd love to connect with you and uh, follow what it is that we do. And if you or your friends or your family reside in the area of Cape Town or Somerset West in particular, then have them come and join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. And also we've got a second campus in Worcester. And uh, in Worcester, we meet together every single Sunday morning at 9 a.m. So that's available to you. So come and join us and we'd love to see you in person. I'd like to shake your hand and I'd like to uh, get to greet you in person. But thank you so much for joining. God bless you all on this fine Monday. I trust that you are going to have the best week of your life. Expect suddenly miracles. Expect the Lord to come and do something just that only he can do. Because remember, he is the one who makes the seemingly impossible possible. So for myself and uh, also Corbus tonight, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining. I'll see you again on the next live stream. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform, or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.